Live from New York, it's Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm James Ewer. And I'm Jennifer Horlick. On this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works, such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. And this week, we will be discussing voice immodulation, which has been depicted recurrently since the 25th season of Saturday Night Live. Voice immodulation is a disorder that affected a character named Jacob Silge, who appeared as a recurring guest on SNL's Weekend Update segment, and was portrayed by Will Ferrell. Farrell first started playing this character in 1999, and the reason we're discussing voice immodulation this week is that Farrell's most recent appearance as Jacob Silge on SNL was actually when he hosted the episode that aired last Saturday. Oh, we watched that together. Yeah, and I said, fictional illness? Fictional illness? I wasn't paying attention, so it's a good thing Jennifer pointed this out. Each time Jacob appeared, he would be invited onto the show to discuss and analyze an important current event, but he would be interrupted by the Weekend Update anchor due to his distracting manner of speaking. Judge Jackson ruled that Microsoft violated the Sherman Antitrust Act in no fewer than three instances. Oh my God. Oh my God is right, Colin. This ruling is very, very significant. No, I mean, could you please not shout like that? Listen, Colin, I have a disease. I suffer from voice immodulation. I'm unable to control the volume or inflection of my voice. This is not shouting, it is talking. Then, in response to the anchor's attempt to ask him to speak more quietly, Jacob would take offense and point out the absurdity of that request. I never said you were lying. Could you just somehow lower your voice? Oh, my God, what did you not understand about what I just said? I can't do that. I have a disease. Would you ask a blind man to start having vision? Or an old person just to get young again? Jacob would then use his voice to demonstrate how voice modulation affects him. This is me whispering. This is me shouting. Now I'm singing. Does this sound like a pleasurable way to live? And finally, he would describe instances of his daily life in which his condition has affected him adversely. Fair. I'll tell you what's not fair, Tina. Imagine being at a high school dance, singing along with everyone else, and a little bit softer now, and a little bit softer now, and a little bit softer now. So perhaps most obviously, voice modulation can be considered similar to other voice disorders, which are conditions that inhibit speech by affecting the sound that's made by the larynx. An example of a voice disorder is Reinke's edema, which is caused by an accumulation of gelatinous substance in Reinke's space, which is a layer just underneath the surface lining of the vocal cord that's important in the vibration that allows us to speak. People with Reinke's edema usually have a low, raspy, rough voice, producing a typically male-quality voice in females. Some of our listeners may be surprised to learn that I myself have Reinke's edema, and I've actually been a woman this whole time. Moving on. Some of the common causes of this vocal fold irritation include voice misuse, smoking, and other conditions that irritate vocal folds, such as laryngopharyngeal reflux, which is the backflow of stomach fluids to the voice box. Treating Reinke's edema first involves fixing the underlying cause, such as quitting smoking, treating reflux, and eliminating voice misuse. Then, those afflicted undergo voice therapy. 
In some cases, Reinke's edema has to be cured with a vocal fold Fonov microsurgery, in which the surgeon uses microsurgical techniques to operate on the vocal folds. It can be noted that voice modulation and Reinke's edema have essentially opposite syndromes. While Jacob's voice is loud and very prominent, a person with Reinke's edema has a low, raspy voice. Like James Ewer. Debatable. Another voice disorder is Bogart-Bacall syndrome, or BBS, which is caused by abuse or overuse of the vocal cords. Like Reinke's edema, the symptoms of BBS are an unnaturally deep, rough voice as well as vocal fatigue. It was named after the supposition that it makes affected men sound like actor Humphrey Bogart and affected women sound like actress Lauren Bacall. Here's what they sound like. Look, this is not a police station. What was that you said? Oh, my father should hear this. Hello, who is this? Yeah, but she just told you that... Oh, you're the police. Oh, he's the police. Oh, well, that's different. What can I do for you? Does it also make affected people look like Lauren Bacall? Because if so, I have it. You don't look like Lauren Bacall. That's a matter of opinion. A somewhat different voice disorder is recurrent respiratory papillomatosis, or RRP. This is a disease caused by the HPV virus. Warty growths start to appear on the upper airway and cause airway obstruction or voice change. RRP occurs most commonly in children younger than 5 years old, in which case it's passed along from the parent and is known as juvenile onset RRP, or adults in their 40s, which is called adult onset RRP. The most common sign of RRP is hoarseness, which can become progressively worse, making the voice weak, sound low in pitch, or strained. Those with RRP might also have significant trouble breathing because of their blocked airways. Other symptoms include chronic cough, difficulty swallowing, shortness of breath, sensation of a foreign body in the throat, and choking. Well, if choking is a symptom, then I must have RRP, because I totally ruined the victory for my youth basketball team at the age of nine when I absolutely choked under pressure and failed to make the last basket in the final nine seconds. Did that actually happen? No. RRP is potentially more dangerous than voice modulation since it affects breathing in addition to voice pitch changes. <laughs> what? It was quite a traumatic time in my, you know, timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Except it didn't actually happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another unique condition is spasmonic dysphonia, which is a neurological disorder that affects voice muscles in the larynx, which is also known as the voice box. With normal speech, air from the lungs is pushed between two vocal folds or cords, causing them to vibrate and produce voice. The vocal fold muscles of a person with spasmodic dysphonia experience sudden spasms which interfere with the fold's ability to properly vibrate and make sound. At one point, the condition was thought to originate from a person's mind rather than from a physical cause. In actuality, the spasms are caused by abnormalities in the central nervous system. Spasmodic dysphonia causes a tight, strained voice, and occasional voice breaks about once every few sentences. But in more severe cases, voice breaks can occur every other word. As a chronic condition, spasmodic dysphonia symptoms may worsen over time. There are three types of spasmodic dysphonia. The most common is adductor spasmodic dysphonia. This type spasms cause vocal folds to slam together and stiffen, making it difficult for vocal folds to produce sounds. A person with adductor spasmodic dysphonia often speaks with cut-off words or has difficulty starting words, creating generally choppy speech. However, at times of laughter, crying, or shouting, speech sounds normal. 
The second type of spasmodic dysphonia is called abductor spasmodic dysphonia. It causes spasms that open the vocal folds, making it difficult for the vocal folds to vibrate because they're too far apart. The opening of the vocal folds also allows air to escape from the lungs during speech. People with abductor spasmodic dysphonia have a weak-sounding and breathy voice. The spasms also disappear during laughing, crying, or shouting. The last type, which is the rarest, is called mixed spasmodic dysphonia, which is a combination of adductor and abductor. Spasmodic dysphonia could relate to voice modulation because the affliction causes an inability to control one's voice. Although spasmodic dysphonia spasms don't happen during yelling or shouting, and voice modulation only causes shouting. Although it could be that voice modulation or constantly shouting all the time is a way to evade spasmodic dysphonia, since in the adductor type, when you're shouting, it sounds normal. Maybe he's hiding his real affliction with a fake affliction. Affliction fiction non-fiction. <laughs> that was a really long snort. It was merited. <laughs> Another interesting voice disorder is puberphonia. According to the Columbia University Medical Center, puberphonia occurs when the larynx fails to sufficiently enlarge during puberty, or when the vocal cords permanently adopt the position they would be in while singing or speaking in the falsetto register. This leads to those affected to continue to speak in a higher-pitched voice in adulthood. This aligns with Jacob's assertion that he is unable to alter the pitch of his voice, but it seems as if in Jacob's case his voice is stuck in a very low register rather than a high one. An example of a famous case of puberphonia is Childish Gambino while singing Redbone. And finally, we can also talk about vocal fold nodules, or vocal fold cysts, which you may recognize from Pitch Perfect or Victorious. Vocal nodules are growths on the vocal folds which develop from overuse of the voice. Therefore, Jacob's loud manner of speaking would not be a disorder, but rather a cause of a disorder. Now, across all of his appearances, Jacob gives various conflicting estimates as to how many people suffer from voice modulation, from over 700 every year, to as many as 6 per year, to over 100 by the year 2025, to over zero. No matter which of these estimates is genuine, voice modulation is infrequent enough that it would be classified as a rare disease. The definition of rare disease varies considerably depending on which medical source you consult and which country that source is from. But in the United States, the Orphan Drug Act of 1983 and Rare Diseases Act of 2002 both define rare diseases as ones which affect fewer than 200,000 Americans. More specifically, an orphan disease is one which affects so few people that it isn't even profitable to make treatments for it. This is why the Orphan Drug Act and Rare Diseases Act were enacted, to allow the federal government to provide incentives for the development of treatments and research for rare diseases. We can also analyze some of the risk factors that Jacob gives for voice modulation. It could strike anyone at any time, provided they were born at least two months late and have been exposed to gold dust. Gold dust, Jacob? Oh, it's funny to you. Jacob states that voice modulation only affects people who were born at least two months after their due date. An instance of a baby being born this late is known as a post-term pregnancy. But the National Center for Biotechnology Information defines a post-term pregnancy as one in which gestation lasts for at least 42 weeks. Since gestation typically lasts 40 weeks, a baby that is born merely two weeks rather than two months late is regarded as post-term. It's unclear why pregnancies become post-term, but there is a correlation between post-term pregnancies and obesity. 
Quite correctly, Jacob suggests that being born post-term comes with certain health risks. For one thing, post-term pregnancies have a greater likelihood of ending in stillbirth. Additionally, a study conducted by the International Journal of Epidemiology found that post-term babies had an increased risk of developing emotional and behavioral problems such as ADHD compared to term-born children. Jacob also states that exposure to gold dust is a risk factor for voice immodulation. In reality, there are no diseases which are directly caused by exposure to or inhalation of gold dust. However, a study conducted by the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health found that people who work in gold mines do face an increased risk of silicosis. This is because of the presence not of gold, but of silica dust in these mines. According to the American Lung Association, the inhalation of silica scars the lungs by damaging the lining of their air sacs. This can further lead to shortness of breath, coughing, fatigue, and chest pain. People who have silicosis are also at an increased risk of tuberculosis, chronic bronchitis, and lung cancer. Because of this, employers in jobs which require exposure to silica dust are required by U.S. law to provide their workers with proper equipment and clothing for protection. So in regards to the moral side of things, the matter is complicated by the fact that it's difficult to determine what the writer's intentions were in creating the character. For one thing, the writing doesn't make clear whether it's making fun of the loud voices which news journalists tend to use, or people who make it a point to talk about their medical conditions whenever possible, or people who have diseases just in general. It's also unclear whether Jacob genuinely has voice immodulation, as the character was depicted as actually having a disorder in most of his appearances, but abruptly breaks away from his voice immodulation at the end of his most recent appearance. Uh, Jacob Silge, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Colin. <laughs> On one hand, voice modulation is distant enough from its most similar illnesses that it doesn't infringe upon the experiences of someone with a real voice disorder. But on the other hand, the humor of the segment revolves entirely around laughing at the misfortune which a diseased person faces. It certainly is much better than laughing at the experiences of a character with a real condition, but the segment arguably promotes a type of conduct which is inconsiderate of the difficulties of having a disorder. Plus, as far as SNL goes, this character isn't even that funny. He's no boo-boo Jeffries. That's all we have to say for now, but what do you think? Do you have a question or contribution to today's discussion? If so, send us an email at afflictionfiction at wnyu.org. For now, I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Season 25 of Saturday Night Live features Tina Fey as head writer. Season 26 of Saturday Night Live features Tina Fey and Dennis McNicholas as head writers. Season 43 of Saturday Night Live features Pete Schultz as Weekend Update head writer. Saturday Night Live is property of NBC. The Big Sleep was written by William Faulkner, Lee Brackett, and Jules Firthman, and is property of Warner Brothers. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson and is property of Warp Records. 